The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many people came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. So our Lord had sent his apostles out to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom to bring healing to those who need healing. He told them whatever house you enter into and they, they reject you, just shake the dust from your sandals and go on. And then they come back to him and they're probably really exhausted and they poured themselves out. And so he says to them, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. In other words, you can't always pour yourself out and pour yourself out and pour yourself out and pour yourself out. You have to take time to rest and allow yourself to be filled. It's only in allowing ourselves to be filled that we have something to give. And we see this in the life of our Lord as well, because our Lord oftentimes went away to a deserted place to pray. Sometimes in the Gospels it says he went to a lonely place to pray, which means that he went to be alone with the Father. And everything that our Lord did, it flowed from this place of being alone with the Father. John's Gospel is full of places where he says, I cannot do anything that the Father isn't doing, or I only do what I see the Father doing. It's his union with the Father that directs and guides every action of his life. And as I was reflecting on this, I was very convicted myself because I'm becoming more and more aware of my own workaholism. And how I have a tendency to like, run on adrenaline all of the time. And there's something exciting about that. 
you know, after high school, I went to military academy at West Point. Then I was an army ranger. This is a huge adrenaline job. And then I became a priest. And then I've sought out like some of the most difficult ministry opportunities that I can find just because it's like an adrenaline job. And then after having two weeks of vacation, I'm sitting back going, man, I am stupid. What am I doing? Because I've found opportunities to spend time with some of my friends and like take my day off and just be available for community. And in those times of being available for community afterwards, I just kind of say to myself, wow, that was really awesome. That was really nice. What have I been doing? And we can get our priorities goofed up. And so our Lord's priority is always union with the Father, and he's trying to teach that to his apostles as they come back. But when they arrive at this place, then our Lord gets out of the boat, and they had gone to go and be alone with the Father, and then all the people showed up that need help. And he looks out at them, and he, it says that he saw them and had pity on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, that there was such a great need that even though he had been going for union with the Father, he realized, okay, these people need something, and he began to teach them many things. But even in that moment, his priority is still on union with the Father. And I think it's a really important thing for us to stop and pause and think about, because we can live in a kind of a workaholic society that's so focused on accomplishing tasks and doing things and making our lives busy. And even in our entertainment, it becomes like busyness because we're trying to binge watch the next Netflix show before the next season comes out. And I might be the only one that does that, I don't know. So even our recreation becomes like a task to accomplish. And we're missing out on just spending time with each other. You know, this week, we are celebrating the anniversary of the document Humanae Vitae that was written by Paul VI on human life. And so on Wednesday is the 50th anniversary of this document. So in 1968, Paul VI was the Pope. He became the Pope during the Second Vatican Council. And at that time, the church is trying to figure out how do we engage the modern world. And Lots of different topics were coming out, were coming up, and there's a whole section in the Second Vatican Council just on the family. There's a whole section on the liturgy. There's, there's all kinds of documents that came out that are very beautiful. And the topic of marital love came up during the council. Because a lot of churches, there, there was the midst of the sexual revolution is going on, and so people are changing their teachings all over the place, and certain other church bodies who had always said that being open to new life is core to what marriage is, have, were changing their teaching, and so this question came up for, the, for our own church, should we change our teaching? And so what Paul VI did was he said, we're not going to address this in the council, he called a special commission to study the topic, and, and the result of that commission was to write this document on human life, which is like really thin but it's packed with teaching. 
And the core teaching in that document is that like conjugal love, the love between a husband and a wife, when expressed in its fullest form, always has to maintain the integrity of being open to the unitive and procreative parts of that act. The unitive and the procreative. And as we've implemented that and as we preach on that, we oftentimes just kind of preach on the procreative end. Like, that's what we do. We say, like, you have to always be open to life. You have to be open to life. You have to be open to life. And then people are like, ah, oh, I can't. Like, I have all these kids. What am I going to do? I think what's been lost in the last 50 years is this emphasis on the unitive part. Because, like, the procreative part is the result of the unitive part. And I, I'm starting to, as I reflect on the lives of people that I work with in ministry or my own family experience, you know, my experience within our presbyterate, that we have become so ruggedly individualistic and maybe workaholic that we're not very open to union that we're not really open to bonding, that, that we're not making space for affective union. Affective union means like, that we share our lives together and we kind of feel felt by the other person. We feel like these people get us. And this affects everybody in our society. It's not just something that I would say married people struggle with because we struggle with it as priests too. You know, and like I'm very grateful that the bishop moved me here to St. John's because I've experienced the parish as being very welcoming. And, um, and for the last five years, I was at Cathedral, and it's nothing against the priest that I lived with there. It's just that everybody was super busy. I was super busy. I would get home at 10.30 p.m. I would get up at like you know, 6 a.m., have Mass at 6.30. I'd be out of the house. I'd come back home at 10.30. And I could go weeks without seeing the guy that lived in the bedroom next to me. And then in the last couple of weeks, a couple of times I came home and like Father Eckridge is sitting in like the main room reading a book. And I was able to like walk in the room and say, hey, how's it going? And just in that moment, that was sort of the priestly way of being open to life. And saying, I'm available to you. And I've been really grateful for that because within a couple of weeks, I've probably talked to him more than I talked to some of the priests that I've lived with in other rectories in a year. But I know that's also an issue within family life. That we make our lives so busy that we're not making enough space just to share our lives with each other. You know, current people who write on sociology say that young people today spend more time at home than any generation before them and less time talking to the people at home than any generation before them. That we can live in the same house with somebody and not be open to communication and not share our lives together. We can experience great loneliness even when we live with the same, this person every single day of our lives. Because we're not open to that kind of living, or we're not open to that kind of life. 
And when I've talked to people who struggle with the church's teaching or they struggle with being open to having new life or having children, a lot of times what it comes down to is that they don't trust each other enough to be open. They don't feel secure enough in their relationship. There was one young couple who came in to see me and they were really struggling with being open to having a baby. And, uh, and then I started asking them some questions and they, they, they get along well and they work together and they have a beautiful life, but they just felt disconnected. And so they started working on connecting more. Like being more attuned to each other emotionally, being more attuned to each other in the intimate ways in the, which they communicate, and also just spending time with each other. And that started to build their emotional union. And then a few months later, they came in and they were like, Father, we're having a baby. You know, what they needed to work was to work on the unitive part of their relationship. And that might sound really challenging, like, Father, we don't have time to work on that. And, but one of my friends who's a counselor, he, uh, like, his advice is this. It's sort of, like, in religious life, you make a holy hour. You spend an hour with Jesus every day, every weekend you spend about a like a day of recollection with him and every month there's a weekend retreat and every year there's like a week-long retreat and so for couples he says like 10 minutes every day an hour a week a legitimate date every month and try to get away for a weekend once a year and so it's a little bit more compressed but 10 minutes a day, like, that means like 10 minutes, go for a walk, hold hands, don't talk about like jobs, kids, school, bills. Father, what do we talk about? Like you talk about whatever you talked about when you fell in love in the first place. Right? You rekindle your life together. And that 10 minutes of connectedness helps to release oxytocin, which is a brain chemical that makes you feel connected and safe and secure and bonded and loved. And that can make all the difference. Setting aside time where we get away from all the distractions of our life so that we can be a community within our families. Setting aside time to get together with your good friends. You know, prioritizing unitive relationships in our life. It's in prioritizing those unitive relationships in our life that we have the ability to endure the difficulties of our life. We have the ability to endure our sufferings. We have the security and the trust to be open to the new life that God invites us to welcome into our homes. We become more welcoming. Paul VI in Humanae Vitae talks about some of the dangers that we should be aware of that might come in the future. And he talks about how especially like 
It's to be feared that man growing used to the employment of anti-conceptive practices may finally lose respect for women and no longer caring for her physical and psychological equilibrium may come to the point of considering her as a mere instrument of selfish enjoyment and no longer as his respected and beloved companion. When he wrote this 50 years ago, it was prophetic, but I would extend it to not just how men see women, but how women see men, how men see themselves, how women see themselves, how parents see their children, that we can start to see everybody as kind of an object instead of as a person to be welcomed, to be loved, as a community. You know, and as a church, We have to get back to that basic root of always working on union, of always working on unity. Our biggest priority should be our union with Jesus. How do I come to trust him more? How do I come to hand over my heart to him? How can I reflect on how much he loves me and how much he's done for me? The second priority within family life is to focus on that union between spouses. How can we grow in love with each other? How can we feel safer with each other? How can we feel more secure with each other? Do we feel felt by each other or do we feel like we're living with a stranger? And then how do we raise our children in a way that they always are coming to their parents knowing that they're beloved, that they're precious, that they're chosen, that they're affirmed, that it's good that they're there. That they might go and seek out relationship with real people that are right there in their homes, rather than seeking out relationship with people they don't really know on the internet. And as we grow in union, then that fruitfulness will follow. We'll find ourselves being more open to life in the form of friendships and the people that we welcome into our lives. We'll find ourselves being more open to life in terms of being open to new members of our families. And we'll find ourselves being open to life in the ways in which our Lord wants to grow our hearts and the way that we come to experience God in our prayer life, in our church community, and most especially within our families.